Hello and welcome to This Game Where, the only gaming podcast where two men talk about, play and discuss old games. I'm Chris and over there is... Ashley! We aren't the only podcast that We're does not. this. Surely not, no. There must be others, must there? Nah, if there are. There not. are, yeah. Why did you say that we are the only one? Because we're the only one that I'm aware of. Okay, what happened to the terrible punnery? Well, this is our 30th episode spectacular, so I thought I'd go for something a bit different. Okay. What? I don't understand why you've said that. I don't understand why you've said that we're the only podcast that does this, when clearly we aren't. Well, if there are others, I don't know about them, and I don't want to know about them, because in my head, we're the only ones in this market. Right, okay. So, <laughs> so to revise your introduction, it should have been, the only podcast I care about. <laughs> if, if that's, that's what, what, that's what you were saying. <laughs> that is what I've inferred, yeah. And now that presumably that's what the audience is going to infer as well. Well So it is, it's our thirtieth episode, so we have decided not decided. So we set out a long time ago that we we're gonna use the multiples of ten as little specials where we could play a game that we've never played, neither of us have played before. And that's what we're doing today. We I think we missed the twentieth episode, didn't we? We didn't do a, yeah, a special in this during lockdown way, we were locked down and it was a bit much to to sort out. Although we've just carried on the way the way that we were during lockdown, haven't we? We Pretty haven't. Much, yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot better. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, not having to see you. <laughs> Cheers. For our thirtieth episode, I suggested that we played Mist. Did you? Yeah. Oh no, I've prepared Quackshot. <laughs> that was undenied, wasn't it? That was a, a mooted possibility, but we decided not to do Quackshot because uh... Mist is. Probably a bigger game than Quackshot, arguably. I'll I'll just put all of my papers away. All right. Should we do that for episode forty? No. I I did notice something actually. I, I obviously I'm joking about not knowing it was going to be missed. But the tenth episode, what did we do? No suit, Larry. The thirtieth episode, we've done missed. Mm. So we're probably going to have to avoid adventure games for mm. the thirtieth episode, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, that thought did cross my mind actually. However, but, it is indicative of the types of games that we did like to play. We both were well into adventure games. And mm. so, at least for me, when you said Mist, it was fairly, fairly big no-brainer. Mm. Because that's what I like. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a surprise in retrospect that it was something I never played because of how massive mm. this game was. It was huge. It was the best-selling CD-ROM game or something like that, was Yeah, it? well, it came out in 1993 and sold more than 6 million copies on PC and was the biggest selling game on the PC until 2002 when another game yeah. came out that superseded it. Do you know what game that was? Was it, was it Mist 3? No, Mist 3 came out in 2001. Did it? Okay. Yeah. Good try, though. Um, in 2003, the PC game that came out and superseded it. 2002. Uh, um, One that everyone was playing. The Sims? Yes, well done, yeah. That was fairly revelatory as well, mm. I, I guess, like yeah. in terms of what it offered people for gameplay. Yeah. So we've chosen Mist because I am currently reading the Bitmap Books uh, Art of Point-and-Click Adventure Games, and I'm really, really enjoying this book. Very, very thorough, really in-depth interviews with the big names behind the genre, big colour photos and what have you. And Mist was mentioned in the book with an interview with one of the two brothers who created the game, and reading it made me think, oh, actually, I've never played this game. I've, this sounds really interesting. I want to have a go at this. And so, yeah, that's why we're trying that. Miller Brothers. It is. Robin and Rand Miller. Yeah. So the interview is with Robin Miller in the book, just if that's uh, of note. Probably not. Robin Miller. No, mm-hmm. I don't know the difference. 
really. They could both walk up to me and I wouldn't even know them from Adam. Adam's the third brother that they cut out of the business. The mysterious third brother, the shadowy yeah. one. Yeah. It's Robin yeah. with a Y as well, which I always assumed was the female version of spelling Robin, but clearly not. Names are different around the world, aren't they? Just let people be whoever they like. Let, yeah, them, let them spell it how they want. I don't I don't know why you're making such a big fuss about it, Chris. I, I really don't. I'm, I'll, I'll leave him I'm getting quite frustrated at it, actually. Can you just calm down? All right. I'll get back <sighs> in my box. So do you want a bit of history about the game from the, uh, the Art of Point and Click book? Yeah, go for it. It was initially released on the Mac in 1993. Now, the reason they released for the Mac was because they'd programmed for the Mac since the late 80s and had mm. some knowledge of how to program for it. So games that came out for it that they released included The Manhole and Spillunks, which I'd never heard of either of them. Do you know either of them? Um, only, like, vaguely The Manhole, but not I've not played it. And I'm fairly sure that it's, like, quite a middling game. Didn't get very good reviews. Well, Spillunks was aimed at children. I think the Manhole was as well. So mm. probably wouldn't have been on our radar. Spillunks is notable. It was also before I was born. 1993. Oh, sorry, late 80s, yeah. Yeah, it was the 80s. Yeah. It Was it the late 80s Manhole, or was it? Uh, I think it was 1988. Wasn't it early? Was it really? Well, I was mm. born on February 88, so... Right, so maybe you've got a bit of an excuse there. Yeah, I think I've just given the last puzzle piece for people that want to access my bank account details. <laughs> people that... Spelunks is notable because the art style is really, really nice. Have you ever played on a Mac? Like a, a no, proper not, old one not an the... old Mac, no. Mm. We used to have the Macs in school. That's the only mm. place, really, that I had access to the Macs. And it was the, you know, those big colourful ones that they had in the 90s where it was all built into the monitor. Right, so same as what you just said. At the secondary school I went to, we had Macs, but it was the old ones where the screen was black and white. And right. Mars weren't even that old. <laughs> yeah. And at the school I went to, so I did my GCSEs in 2002. And even at that point, we were unable to do IT for a GCSE because the school did not have the technology for us to do that. Yeah. Well, to be f- quite frank, our school only barely had the technology to do that. They had IT suites, but the computers were shocking. So the screens were black and white. And in Spillunks, the Miller brothers managed to get this really lovely art style. So I looked at some pictures of Spillunks. It's lots of is it stippling where you've got black and white where it's alternating and the, the yes the, the yeah. gradients and like pointless type yes that's a very good mm. uh, good reference point yeah so i'd recommend looking up the game it's s-p-e-l-u-n-x if you want to have a look at mm-hmm. some of the artwork it's really nice so these okay. games they're all first person they're all exploration and they're all point and click they decide they want to take this style of game and rather than aim it to children aim something at adults and make it a bit more give it more oomph and that is presumably mist yeah and that's how mist came about now mist was also funded by sunsoft ah right okay Mm. of lemmings fame of uh, gremlins 2 fame and lemmings yeah and lemmings so it's come out on lots of consoles even came out on the ds and the 3ds this game did yeah, it doesn't surprise me. The There was a big push for remastering in... I can't remember exactly when it was, but there are actually two versions of Myst. There's Myst, the Masterpiece Edition, and there's Real Myst, Masterpiece Edition. They are the current iterations of these games. And I think they were made in the, in the teens, like somewhere around 2014, 2015. One of them operates in the same way as the original Myst, where you click to the left and the right of the screen, and it trans uh, transfers you to the next screen and real mist uses a 3d engine recreates the game in a 3d engine and allows you to move the camera freely so it's like a free move camera oh wow so yeah they've done a fair few different 
iterations of this game. Now, it also has quite a... I don't know how to phrase this because obviously Mist is the first game and I was going to say it's got quite the heritage. It's got quite the lineage. I'm not sure. But this led from from Mist. You had Riven, yeah. which was well regarded as well. And then after that, you had Mist 3. And Mist 3, Mist 3 Exiles, I think it's called. Yeah. And that's the one, actually, I have dabbled with that in the early noughties when I first got a PC. It was really quite interesting. So what are your memories of that game? Just it was interesting? Was it enjoyable? I think it works similarly. Like the art style was similar to the art style of the original Mist. But the thing that intrigued me anyway, the thing that grabbed me, my interest and pulled me towards it was that it uses FMVs to represent its characters. And I had played previously, several years before, a game called Titanic Adventure Out of Time. Do you know that game? No, not at all. So Titanic Adventure Out of Time is one that we'll probably cover at some point. I'm just going to call it Titanic from now. Yeah, it's quite Uh, Titanic is like an adventure game that takes place on the Titanic. You have to go around. There's there's a conspiracy happening on the Titanic. You have to go around the ship and figure out this conspiracy. And then halfway, not halfway, at a point during the playthrough, the Titanic actually crashes into the iceberg. And then you, a time limit on how long you've got to finish the rest of the game because you, you're now in a position where the ship you're on is sinking. And you need to try and figure out what the mystery is before it sinks. And that uses FMVs to create all of its characters. It's, it's like at the time, <laughs> I was playing it late 90s, and at the time it scrambled my tiny little child brain that the really way good. that it looked. It is, it is really good. And then Mist, I think, if I remember rightly, does the same sort of thing, uses FMVs to represent its characters. So yeah, the, that was what drew me to it in the first place. And I think that's one of the things that it was somewhat revelatory for. Though I'm not sure whether that started with Mist or whether that started with Mist 3. Having said that, I imagine it started with Mist because Mist was... There was a big drive to get Mist on the CD-ROM, wasn't there? Yeah, it was apparently one of the first games or the first game to come out on CD-ROM. And and because of how popular it was, it helped people adapt to CD-ROM as a storage device. So I'm wondering whether the FMV integration into the game was actually also partly to do with the fact that it was on a CD-ROM and leveraging the new technology. Mm. Is the soundtrack orchestrated or something? Yeah, so the soundtrack is very electronic. Now, you know, I'm saying this based on what I've read in the book. So Robin Miller said that he initially wanted the game to be absolutely silent, that they didn't want any music whatsoever Mm. because he wanted to be cinematic. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And the publishers pushed towards having music and apparently one of the things that made them think actually we should maybe have some music was playing through Super Mario. Oh, really? Where they realised that a lot of time the music is a cue to take to do something and actually does add to the experience. Mm. So they it has a, an electronic soundtrack. It's quite ambient and it was also released on CD and apparently sold quite well as well. So uh, Really? Yeah. Oh, wasn't it the case that early CD-ROMs, you could just put them in CDs anyway mm. and it would read the tracks? Yeah. The audio yeah, used tracks. To, used to have a lot. And then you had yeah, um, I used to. Vib Ribbon on the PlayStation that then had that sort of turn on his head and you could put... Do you ever play Vib Ribbon? No, no. So Vib Ribbon was a music, a rhythm action game, I suppose, from the PlayStation where you controlled this little rabbit and you loaded the game up in the PlayStation and then you ejected the disc and then put a CD in. And whatever the tracks were, it then forms this platform that the rabbit was walking on. He just walked along this platform uh, by himself. And yeah. whatever you put in, it then changed the landscape you're walking through. So you had to roll around 
uh, like loop the loops like in Sonic or jump over things or there were spikes on the floor and it, it then became pressing the buttons onto the music and I was depending on what track you put in if you put in something quite aggressive and loud then obviously the track you the platform you're walking on would be aggressive whereas if you put something quite soothing it would then be quite a relaxing experience that sounds great it was it was a really good game never heard of it but right there was a game in the late noughties called audio surf that i used to play at work oh yes like yeah. on breaks and it that yeah, was a similar thing you chose no i did <laughs> don't, don't say it <laughs> like just, i just clarify was so you you mentioned two and three did you know that was a fourth and fifth missed game as well yeah i knew that they existed but i obviously not heard very much about them no I think that it kind of went off the precipice after Miss 3, kind of disappeared off everyone's radar. To me, actually, I think the thing that would have driven me away from this game was the visuals, because I was so used to things that looked really swish. Is that the right way to say things? So when, I, when I'm when i talking adventure games, I'm talking Broken Sword styles, mm. uh, style of, uh, of animation and Monkey Island 3, that kind of really fluid, animated, hand-drawn style. Mm. And then when you look at Mist, Mist kind of looks a bit clunky. And as I say, if there wasn't that hook of like a link between a game that I played and enjoyed, then I might not have had the big open mind that I like to think I have. I probably wouldn't have given it the time of day. I suppose you were in like 11 or 12 when you played this anyway, weren't you, from the sounds of it? Yeah. 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 So what else do you know about the original Mist itself then? Not very much. Okay. Why? What do you want to tell me? Well, I wanted to talk about how in the point and clip book it talks about this was a game that came out and people found it quite difficult to use because it had a mouse as part of the control system. Oh, yeah. And that up until then, computers didn't often have mice. Now, I can't no. remember that ever being the case. And equally, I can't imagine using a computer without a mouse. So I am dredging the back of my brain, but I think the Mac might have been the first computer yeah. to have a mouse because the whole idea was that it was re reinventing the it was what's his face Steve, Steve Jobs, Jobs doing yeah. the old this is again the old the, innovation thing again from the point and clip books I didn't know that that Steve Jobs had been the oh. person who'd invented the mouse effectively yeah he he was trying to innovate the way that people engage with computers because mm. obviously he he saw the keyboard as as a as an impediment to getting involved with a computer mm-hmm. so the mouse was an a, a way to break down that barrier and actually i think it was i mean it was a it was a huge innovation Definitely. and completely changed the direction of computing but also of gaming especially so yeah he was onto something there the reason that i am somewhat familiar with this story is because of the film steve jobs right. <laughs> uh, which is the, the aaron sorkin film or danny boyle film depending on how you want to approach it it talks about mice in that, the fact that he invented the mouse. Yeah, it takes like right. three moments during his life, but yeah, well, the, I've like seen, big moments. I've seen the film and I don't remember the mouse being mentioned at all, so it shows how much well, attention I was so paying. The, so the other place that I have become familiar with this story, this idea, is a television programme called Halt and Catch Fire. Right. You don't know Halt and Catch Fire? No. It is fantastic like it's brilliant really one of the best things i've watched all four series on amazon prime and it tells a fictionalized narrative of the video of the games industry through the 80s into the 90s and it's phenomenal yeah so there's a character in that that is what i think is a facsimile for for steve jobs and he is continually pushing his engineers to try and create this brand new this brand new technology and the technology in that is a laptop 
but then later on they go and they make a facsimile of the Apple II, I believe. Right. So I might have conflated this film and the Holt and Catch Fire version of, of the events But together. at some point you were aware of the fact that that happened. If you watch both of those things, then I think you get a really good grounding, actually, for what was happening through the 80s and into the 90s. So just in terms of games or just culture in terms of games and... Uh, well, actually, yeah, a good deal of stuff. Culture games particularly though and the industry around computers the last fact i wanted to share with you before we get started then do you know where the name comes from no mist itself so it's named after the mysterious island which is a book by or story by jules Ah, Verne. right okay i was gonna say like robin miller mist is spelt with a y (laughs) so i wondered (laughs) whether there was a link there no just a a coincidence i think no that apparently it was that the whole game is very influenced by Jules Verne and Narnia and yeah, I can absolutely see that. Things. Yeah. So I'm quite looking forward to playing it. So shall we crack on? Well, and we give should it a go. Then. Yeah, yeah, we should go. Go for it. Okay. How did, you, how did you find that, Chris? Right, I'm going to twist it around a bit. How do you think I found it? I know how you found it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I would put money on you ferreting out some kind of walkthrough within about five minutes of getting on it. Okay. Um, give me some credit. It took about half an hour. Half an hour? Right, yeah. okay. Fair enough. I mean, that is actually genuinely better than I thought you'd have done with that because it was opaque. <laughs> yeah it's yeah. probably a nice way to put it so at what point did you go oh sod this for a bag of beans and pull out a walkthrough well i said that to myself i said sod this for a bag of beans and uh got the walkthrough out i explored the whole island went round seeing what mm. i could find there were no collectibles which i was expecting things to pick up because they usually are in point and click games and i know this tried to break that mold a bit so that surprised me a little bit mm. and i just tried to see what i could work out for myself and the answer was nothing. absolutely nothing at all, because I needed a walkthrough <laughs> yeah. for the very first puzzle. Oh, geez. Which which was what? Because they're not. it's not a linear game. You can sort no, things through in whatever way you like. So which puzzle was that? So round at the dock, there's a hidden door that you open. You go in yeah, down did, to some sort of... That was of... a question that I was going to ask you. Did you find that hidden door immediately, or did I you did, have yes. to... I did, yes. Yeah, I found yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, okay. Good stuff. So you go in, and then there's this machine, and you have to... Uh, input some numbers to make the machine do different things but the control panel to find these numbers is hidden behind a button and i yes. couldn't find the button oh it's a little green one in the top corner yeah but i presumably you've used it now yeah mm. it's got so did you did you head straight into that room first or did you go round the island first uh i, f- I found that room and had a look in it couldn't really see what's doing there and then i went and explored the rest of the island hmm and then you find that note that tells you to put some number in the four chamber to count all the switches, wasn't it? Yeah, marker switches. That so, was it, yeah. let me ask you, how far did you get? How I played it for an hour before uh, turning it off in a fit of rage. A fit of rage. Yeah, I just got really fed up of it. Okay, based on what? What just pushed you over the edge? How unclear everything was. It's clear as mud. Mm. And okay, I... why do you think that was? I just couldn't figure anything out at all. 
So I did. Yeah, but why do you think it was? I'm asking. I'm not asking you why you felt that way. I'm asking why do you think things were as opaque as they were? Because it was genuinely very opaque. I think it's it's a deliberate design choice that they they tried yeah. to make it like that. It's one of the quotes from the point and clip book is that they wanted it to be a visual novel, which I thought was definitely realised for my money mm, to some extent. I mean, if you only got an hour in, presumably you didn't get off the first island. No, right. So. How far did you get there? Yeah. Well, I got onto the second island and not very far into the second island, but the second island was quite interesting. So did you do anything with the cogs, the big cogs near the dock? I managed to turn the tower to be facing the cogs and then that was about the point okay. at which I got fed up. So you, after you've turned the tower to face the cogs, this is yeah. going to sound like very opaque even to people listening, so we'll have to be careful <laughs> with this. But yeah. um, once you've turned the tower to face the cogs, if you go up the tower, you find a window and the window looks down on a certain place. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the other side of the tower and there's the key to opening up the whatever it is to find the book. And... Yeah, I know. It sounds ridiculous. Yeah, he, it does. So Chris, Chris just sort of um, grimaced again, as he as he's wont to do at my explanation of that, because it sounds opaque. I, no, I know it does, and it's. I completely followed what you were saying, but the words out did. of context were "turn the cogs to find the book." It just it's it's I nonsense, think, isn't it? Though you could say that about any adventure game, or possibly any game. It's one of those things, isn't it, where the, the words make sense, but the meaning doesn't. Like, have you ever heard yeah. that sentence linguists talk about, um, colourless green ideas sleep furiously? No, but I can see where they're probably yeah. going. So it's a, a sentence where the words absolutely make sense, that it's got an, a noun and a verb, and you've got an adverb and some adjectives there, but the actual mm. meaning makes absolutely no sense. Like, how can something be colourless and green? How can an idea be yeah. green? And, on, and so on. Yeah, that is games in a nutshell, really. Um, and this one is very much a victim of that because you've got all of these puzzles. The, the whole game is based around these islands that are packed with different puzzles and different puzzle pieces that then link together in various different ways. And one of the the first islands hinges around this library tower yeah. thing. And you can spin the tower around so that the window at the top of the tower faces certain key places so one of them is this spaceship submarine type thing uh one of them is this clock tower place um and some gears and things and the tower can be used to figure out how you manipulate these different puzzle elements in order to get access to these books that that then allow you to travel through the book to another island another space which is a then in itself another like puzzle box type affair now i explaining that it might have occurred to listeners that it sounds a little bit like a very big blockbuster film because that definitely occurred to me when i was traveling through the second book okay. it's very inceptiony because you go in you go you start the game by going into the book mm. and then you explore the realm of the book and then you go you find another book and you go into that book gradually over time you're going into a book into a book into a book mm. into a book i quite so, liked that yeah, inception uh, hmm. They they said I think I said in the first half about how they wanted it to be a bit like Narnia where you fall into a painting and I don't really like the Narnia books so I, I don't know but uh, that's a good illusion though regardless of whether you like them I think the allusion to Narnia fits here and they've hmm. captured that sort of falling into a into an adventure. I did really like the story of it the way you picked up objects. I had no idea what the story was. 
No, me neither, because I didn't get very far. But I liked how it was it was giving you little breadcrumbs of exposition for you to piece yes. together rather than just being like most games are nowadays. Yeah, so it's a very broad statement, but oftentimes you just get like a, a cutscene at the start or text or whatever that tells you exactly what's going on. Whereas in this, there was a very abstract opening sequence of a man falling down with a book, wasn't there? And then the there first was. item you pick up was that piece of paper addressed to, is it Catherine? Yes. Or, yeah, and... If you complete that little puzzle, find out how many marker switches is. There are eight for anyone that's listening. Um, put that into the machine. This man pops up and gives a, again, sort of Star Wars style. You know, mm-hmm. Princess Leia hides the message. He's yeah, in this message matter. in a machine. And the machine, uh, and this message is to his, I think his wife, Catherine, who presumably he's expecting to have arrived back on the island. Whether we are Catherine or not I is still a mystery to me. So that would be an interesting thing to sort of unravel. The fact that it set up such a mysterious tone so quickly was mm. actually, I think, very, very impressive. Yes, I agree I've with that. I've never quite felt the way that I felt playing the start of... St- the, like the first couple of hours of this i've never quite felt as lost and as absorbed mm. by a game as i have with this yeah i realized the atmosphere of it the way that it put you on this island this quite eerie abandoned island i thought it was mm. extremely atmospheric i, I did really enjoy Absolutely. that they uh, one of my quotes from the book was that they the miller brothers wanted something cinematic that you would lose yourself in and i think hand on heart they definitely achieved that because i was so absorbed up until the point at which I pulled a guide out of the internet, but uh... well, I'm going to confess, I ended up pulling a guide out as well because ah. we actually, yeah, uh, we we've recorded this slightly differently to the way that we normally record because it's such a big game. Well, I say that the website How Long to Beat puts this game at six hours to complete. Now I've spent three hours ish or so playing this game and i just got off the first island and i think there are at least four islands on top of the main one from what i read online in the guides i think there's five islands once you get off the first island yeah there's then the other four and you can choose which one to go to next so it makes it quite yes. open-ended in that so there are five islands in total but i guess that would be six hours if you knew exactly what to do for every single puzzle wouldn't it i can only assume so because i spent so long i spent over an hour wandering around the first island figuring out well this is this set seems like a puzzle set and this seems like a puzzle set and this seems like a puzzle set and then looking at how those puzzle sets linked up as well so there's like a little it's hard to know what you came across but there's a little hut that if you go inside and down some steps you find yourself in like a an underground generator yes. did you find that one yeah. so that was like weird to me at first and then if you read the books in the library, did you read the books in the yeah. library? So you look through the books in the library and there are all these, there's just lots of story, lots of backstory in these four books that are in the library. They're the only four books that haven't been burnt. And then in in amongst those, that story is, are all of these images that you presumably are going to help you. So before I got to the books, I'd found that you can go into the room next to the library. And if you turn the light off, they the room becomes like an object what do they call it with the stars planetarium yeah it turns into a planetarium type thing and you can see the stars on the roof of this building but i was like well i don't have a clue what and then there's a machine in the middle of that a a different Mm -hmm. machine um i i don't have a clue what i'm supposed to do with that but then when i got to the books and i was reading through one of the books i found i've actually got i went quite old school with this i'm showing you Ah. my pictures (laughs) interestingly the game actually shipped with a notebook yeah i'm not surprised at all because the first thing that i felt i had to do with those books was 
take note of the different things that were in the book. So one of the things that I just showed you on my notes, I've got two pages full of them. Look. That's the other page. Um, one of the things that I took note of was that there were these constellations and in the book, and then underneath each of those constellations was a picture of an anchor and an eye and a spear a snake and a bug and an ank and an arrow. And that was a separate puzzle, wasn't it? It was those, those uh, lamppost type things down the main body of the island, wasn't it? Yeah. So I'd found those two separate pieces or two separate areas, but I hadn't thought that they would go together. And then the book told me, well, these go together in some way. I did not figure out how Right. by the time I finished playing, but that is a mystery in itself there. And then on top of that, you've got the power lines that Mm -hmm. run from the generator room to the spaceship and again i don't know whether i did that right or wrong but i figured out how to get in the spaceship and i don't know whether that was tied to me putting the right number into the generator did you get in the spaceship no man if you got in the spaceship you would have cried i think but yeah these books were full of different things and there's things that i'm looking at now on my on my notes that i still don't understand i still look at them and i go "Hmm, well i'm not sure did you have a look at the manual at all? No, I didn't, no. Is that full of interesting... Well, there's, there's a whole section where it says, you know, have you got stuck? And then it says about... Um, it was quite interesting, actually, where they phrased it. They said, imagine that was you on that island. What would you do? Think about the clues that have been presented to you. What would you do with those clues? That's maybe something to do. Have a look around again. Go revisit other areas. Is there something you've noticed somewhere else that can be used in that area? And it really broke it down like that. And then it has, as a last resort, there was a hint line, hmm. which I didn't try reading because I'm assuming, you know, we're now It'll be default. T- 27 years after the game came out, it's default. Yeah. But it reminds me, did you ever call the hint line? No, I never did. So I did... We didn't have a phone in the house. What? We didn't have a phone in the house. We didn't have a landline? No. Cranky. Not until we moved houses. So I was about eight. No, maybe probably nine when I got a phone in the house. Oh. Different world, yes. isn't it? Different times, yeah. different times. So well, I tried a hint line when I was uh, playing Monkey Island 2. Uh, it was about, I was on the, the sort of Don't second... they cost like a billion pounds? Yeah. Yeah, I had to really beg my parents to let me call it. Because this is before we had the internet, so I wouldn't be able to access game FAQs. It was when I was on the second section of the game where you've got what name's the islands is it Dink- dinky island mm. and there's the island that's got like stands used coffins and you know that sort of section of the game yeah and i was stuck i couldn't figure out what to do at all so i, I managed to convince my parents to let me call the hint line and this pre-recorded lady started telling me what to do when i got to the last bit of the game what so it didn't have any kind of options it just gave you the last part of the game. Yeah. Hmm, that seems a bit... A Which joke. was useful for that part of the game, but I wasn't at that part of the game, so it was absolutely no. pointless. Well, it's interesting that this come up, actually, because have you been watching High Score, the documentary on Netflix? No, no I've not heard of it. There's a new documentary on Netflix called High Score. You'd love it. It's all about games and gaming history. And one of the episodes follows the one of the Nintendo helpline people. I can't remember what they call it. All right. And it's all about how the Nintendo helpline was set up and why, and the way that working there, what what working there was like. That sounds amazing. How has that passed me by? I have no idea. Like I say, it released last week. Yeah. They have had an episode on like Pac-Man and early arcade games. They've had that episode on on the Nintendo. I wish I could remember what they're called, like support workers or something. They they had a really weird name. Oh, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, you should watch High Score if you haven't, if Mm. you're listening or if you're Chris. You should watch High Score. It's it's very good so far. I haven't watched it all, but it's set its store very well. One second. 
Nintendo Play Counselors. Hannah's just come in. God. Yeah, that's what they were called. Nintendo Play Counselors. Thank you, Hannah. What a horrible name. So Nintendo Play Counselors is what they were called. So quite a strange name. Mm. So it sounds like you're having game therapy or something. <laughs> yeah, it uh, does. Can I also just give a shout out to how retro it felt to actually install the game? Yeah, yeah, I bet. Like kicking the XE or whatever. Yeah, and then having to sit through and watch the the progress bar as it said installing a game. I've not done that for oh, a very long time, many many years. That's the virtue of good old games. Get a an installer to to use. So yeah, have you yeah. not used good old games before then? No, I haven't. This no. is the first game that you've bought off off good old games. Yeah, I'm aware of it as a site, and I know we've talked about yeah. it before, uh, but I've just never bought anything before. I use Steam, really, when I'm PC gaming rather than good old games. Yeah, so do I, usually. They often give away games as well on good old games, as do so many places these days. The number of free games that I get on a regular basis, but all of the adventure games were went through a cycle of being given away on, on good old games, okay. so it's, it's worth having an account. Lower the Temptress and Full Throttle and things like that. Okay. Beneath Steel Sky, and so on. I realise while playing this game as well that I have played games on the iPad that's unknowing to me mimic it massively. If you have an iPad or iPhone or whatever, if you have access to iOS in some way, I would recommend there's an app called Apps Gone Free, which is updated daily with different apps for whatever reason that have gone free. So, you know, oh. might, I know, yeah, clues in the name, isn't it? So things that might be $4, they're free maybe just for 24 hours or for a week. And I check it every single day. And through that, I've downloaded quite a few different games for my daughters to play through. But I found games for myself as well, like Monuments Valley. I got that for free yes. because I found yeah, it through cool. that. Um, so quite a few. Um, so there's a developer called Syntaxity. Mm. Throughout Scone Free, I downloaded some of their games over the last few years because they sounded interesting. For example, The Mystery of Blackthorn Castle and The Lost Ship are two, as I really enjoyed. And I played them from start to finish. And now that I've played Mist, I now understand that those games you know where are Mist. That they are, that yeah. You don't explore the environments in terms of being 3D. It's, it's 2D static paintings almost that you explore. Mm. But apart from that, it is exactly the same. Really opaque puzzles that are quite difficult to solve by yourself. Things I've had to resort to a guide to use. Puzzles that maybe require you to move blocks around. They are missed. Mm. I really enjoy those games, much more so than I did Mist. Uh, maybe it's because they have the benefit of those years in between where they've made them more accessible or something. I'm not really sure, but... I'm wondering as well whether you would enjoy Real Mist a lot bit more because one of the... Uh, the way that we moved around that island was quite a vestigial design choice, if that makes sense. Yeah. The clicking around, it felt quite... It felt quite alienating, and to me, that added to the game's tone. But I can also see how that might be a bit of a barrier for some people who are used to like fluid movement through a 3D world. Mm-hmm. So is, is that, that what uh, Real Mist has got then? It, it's added in fully 3D it's, movement. It's a full, fully 3D world. Like they've they've rebuilt everything in a 3D game engine. Oh wow! Okay, that does mm. sound a bit more. And you can move around the way that you would uh, normally. Okay. In any oh. other game, I had a similar response. So the game, the mobile game that I thought of immediately was The Room. Have you heard of The Room? No. Nope. So I think it's called The Room. And uh, you get you you get put in a room, and there'll be a table in the middle of the room, and there'll be a puzzle box. And the puzzle box is it's just pure spatial puzzling, really. So you have to figure out how to get this box open to get out of the room. And then they've got two or three of those games, um, and that's the one that it reminded me of most. Uh, but it then also made me think of the Tourist, which is a fairly oh, recent okay. game that I played through 
quite as I say quite recently because of the hopping from island to island element mm-hmm. the tourist feels like a simplified version of mist in that there's puzzles there to to work your way through and some of them I mean they're not as opaque as as mist but I think that the heritage is there the other one that I thought of is one of my favorite games ever and it's the witness Jonathan Blow produced yeah. or designed yeah. the witness uh, which is phenomenal and has these has a similar idea of just dropping you on an island and you end up figuring out things as you go without really any input from um, help text or anything like that. There is no help text, I don't think, in, in The Witness. And there are some puzzles that you don't even realise exist. You've been walking through the, around this island and there are puzzles that you don't realise exist until maybe halfway through the game. Right. It made me aware, made me more aware of the heritage of those games as well. Yeah, definitely. I quite enjoyed. There was also, you didn't get to the second, or you didn't get off the first island, but on the second island that I got to, which was this island where you can rotate the whole island round using a mechanical device inside. Sounds like it Lost. Felt, it does kind of sound like Lost, and that's one of the things that I was just going to mention. Oh, so there you go. There's, there's, a, there's an element of Lost to it, and there was also an element of when I was going into this structure on the middle of the island, there was a feeling, a sense of like Twin Peaksiness, Lynchian weirdness about this space that really struck me. So yeah, there's a lot to be commended about this game, and I think it's my kind of game. Okay. However, I think the amount of time that I'd have to devote to being frustrated is also a bit of a turnoff. Yeah, and that's how I felt. I was very frustrated playing it yesterday. I think frustration is a good tool in a game maker's arsenal if it's used correctly, and I think that the utilization of it in Mist is probably, probably based on what I've played, a good utilization of it. If you're in a platformer and you're getting frustrated, then something's gone wrong. But yeah. this is a puzzle game. This is a puzzle game. So you need those moments of hitting a wall, having to go away and letting your brain diffuse mm-hmm. so that it can do the work necessary to have that eureka moment going back. And I think this game must be full of them. But just based on that first island, if you count up the number of puzzles there were, I mean, let's just do it. There was, so there was the clock. Yeah. There was. Stop cam- me. Counting the marker switches, if I count yeah. the puzzle. Uh, so I still don't know what the marker switches were for. So I assumed it was something to do with that they all had to be facing a certain way. So I ran around and put them all down and nothing happens. Mm. Then I ran around and put them all up and nothing happens. So I don't know what they were there for. So yeah, that's I missed one. a mystery there. So yeah, there, there's two. Then there's the voltage room, the generator room. There's the and constellations the in that the constellations. And the and the machine in that planetarium. Mm-hmm. Did you did you drop did you pop inside the chimney breast inside the library? No, I went. To, oh yeah, because and then it had this uh, grey panel with, with all squares, didn't it? Yeah, I yeah. couldn't figure out. What so to there's do there. another one. No, neither could I. So that's another one. That's we're on seven already. Um, there's the four chamber. Presumably, there's some more to do with the machine in the four chamber because you could set it not just to the message the layer style message but also to three other settings you could set it there were the cogs on top of the tower next to the dock there was that well type thing that had a reproduction of the shipwreck yes inside it then around that there were the what you called lampposts where you could look at them and there was a picture of a an eye there were eight of them weren't there there were Mm -hmm. symbol eight symbols and if you clicked them they went from green to red and made a noise Yes. No idea what was going on there. I assumed I was. And, I would try to turn them all the same colour, but like you say, as soon as you press one, it then turned back to being before it, like it was before. So yeah, I have I've no, no idea, idea what's going on with them. Then, if you go to where the generator room is, turn the other, turn the opposite direction. There was like a log cabin 
with a cistern inside and a big yeah. red wheel, along with a like a stained glass window of a ten. Isn't it? That's ten disparate pieces of puzzle all put together on this one island that that presumably somehow puzzle box together and link to one another. We know that there are some links that we've already figured out, but there are plenty of links that I still have no clue what is going on with them. Can you go back to the first island to have a go at those puzzles? I think that it's like a hub world. So you go right. you go from there to the four different islands. I got off the island by going to the giant cogs and there was a book in the giant cogs that I'd had to solve a puzzle to open pre- previously. Right. And then that took me to the second island. So presumably there are four there were three other places on that island where solving puzzles will give you access to a new book that takes you to another island right so yeah i think it's a good game i'm not surprised at all you got frustrated did you anticipate i would get frustrated yeah yeah okay even before we even before we turned it on even before we put on i thought chris is gonna (laughs) chris is gonna hit hit the guides really quickly and he's probably gonna bang this bang out of it straight away I did jot down my notes that I wanted a guide within five minutes. So when you said five minutes at the start of this half, you you were right. But I did persevere past that. Yeah. I remembered while playing this as well. Were you aware of the parody that came out? No, I don't think so. So this is on Kotaku a couple of years ago. That In 1996, a parody game came out called Pissed. (laughs) P-Y-S-T. Right, okay. And it had John Goodman in. Oh, really? And he was like, he was in the scenes and you had to interact with him. Now... I read about it on Kotaku because the article was all about how this game came out and I now can't find it anywhere for love nor money. And there are some videos mm. of it on YouTube, but you can't just, it, it's unavailable. And, you can't get and it. And that was no. the whole thrust of the article. But the fact that the game itself spawned a parody three years later, I think is indicative. With John Goodman in it. Yeah. I think that speaks volumes as, as to the popularity and impact of the game. And also answers one of our questions from last episode, the Tony Hawk's episode, where I positive that Bruce Willis might have been one of the first non-film related game actors if that makes sense mm-hmm. so John Goodman beat him to the punch on that one and thinking about it Christopher Lloyd was in Toonstruck and that was 97 oh, Bruminek, how, how yeah. did I forget Toonstruck yeah Toonstruck's one of my favorite games and I still forgot it yeah so we weren't on on the ball last week were we before we wrap up just in terms of the popularity of it there are a few other things that I found out about the game I mentioned the first half that the soundtrack was released there were some novels that tied in with the game there's been a possible film and or TV series in development for several years. It was first mentioned about a decade ago and then it was languishing and then there was a statement from someone or other to do with the series, maybe on the Millers, about... It was in the last year, certainly, saying that they were still taking strides towards that being a reality. And they were really? also okay. approached by Disney to even have a theme park based on Mist. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Well, it totally surprises me the scale of that because yeah. you know Disney Disney offering that level of engagement. I'm quite surprising, but equally, when you say that, it totally fits into the idea of of a theme park. I'd really quite enjoy the theme park. I think there's a lot of steampunk elements to it that I mm. think would fit in with yeah, sort with of Space Mountain or, or something yes. like that in terms yeah, of Disney World. The rocket is very Space Mountain esque, isn't it? Now you said it that. is quite. Yeah, yeah it is. So, yeah, I I can imagine there's a lot of intrigue in it as well. I I don't know. I'm my brain's spinning out from a single point into lots of different thinking, into lot of, lots of different thoughts. But everything that you said makes absolute sense in my brain. Like it totally fits with what this game is. I just can't believe that Disney were prepared to spend what would be what tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars, pounds, whatever currency you, you wish to choose mm. on a theme park based on a on a game like this. It just it completely blows my mind. 
Yeah, when was that? That wasn't recently, surely. No, that was when it was at its highest popularity, so yeah, ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, and to to know that and then to think how relatively to that obscure the game is become mm. because people don't talk about it now, it's not it's not an ongoing series as far as I know. I know that uh, Mist Five came out in the early two thousand five, was it? Was it really that mm, long ago? Yeah. Right, okay, so it has kind of dropped off in that regard. So even the fact that they're still on about making a television series of it, yeah. it makes sense. Like, it probably would be an interesting conceit. But, um, yeah, that's quite a surprise. So just to wrap things up then, we've talked about it being available on Good Old Games. It's also available on Steam and Switch. Are there any other consoles you're aware of that it's on, Ashley? No, I, I did before... I sent the details over to you where to get it. I checked on istthereanydeal.com, which is another website that I like. You go there, pop in the name of the game that you're looking for, and it'll give you all the deals, all the offers uh, from all all sorts of different websites. And Good Old Games is currently the cheapest. It was only about £2 or so. £2.30, I think it was, was it? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so that would be the place to get it for now. Even at its full price, it's only four quid. Mm. So if you just drop on Steam... And you, Mr. Moneybags, spend four pounds. You've got a game that will frustrate and entertain you in equal measure. So I, I would recommend it. I think, I do think it's worth a recommendation. But you need to go into it knowing that it is not the sort of game that you'll be able to breeze through. I would recommend it as a curio to someone interested in the genre, someone that hasn't played it before. I think it is indicative of a particular point in time in terms of games. The fact that it doesn't have any in-game hints or help or whatever, I find baffling. No, I think that is a good thing. Oh, it's good for the atmosphere and it certainly suits the game. We've lost that sort of feel. Yeah, and Mm. more games should do it. And the fact that The Witness has done it very, very successfully shows that it's nothing to do with like modernization of games that has led us towards this i this need for our hand to be held every step of the way i think that a, a modernization of mist would if it incorporated all of the game design leaps that we've made since it since it was made i think that a modernization of mist would be extremely successful i genuinely do mm-hmm. and i'd be intrigued i i'm inclined to try out uh, real mist and see if that's made any of those leaps and whether that smooths the game out or not yeah but i think i think the last thing you want on a game like this is help no you're probably right actually i think it, it would remove you from it the only reason that i went and grabbed a guide was because we had that time constraint of needing to to record otherwise i would have stepped away from the game left it for a while had a think about it mulled it over in the shower or whatever and then come back to it another day and sat down and, f- and got frustrated again until <laughs> I couldn't bear it and just made progress over over time. That's, I think, how the game's supposed to be played. I think it says more about you than it, than it does about me, really, doesn't it? Really, honestly, not, because I, I am on the same page as you for the most part with regards to frustration in games. I think if it's unnecessary, if it's not part of the purpose of the game, if it, if it, like I said earlier, if you're in a platformer and you're frustrated, then the platformer's done something wrong. Yeah, that's fair. There is there are certain games, even adventure games sometimes are frustrating beyond the pale mm-hmm. and they are needlessly obscure. But I did not get the feeling that Mist, the islands in Mist, were purposefully obscure. I got the feeling that they were intensely difficult puzzle boxes that you really had to stretch your brain to to complete, figure mm-hmm. out. And I really like that, and it's something that we don't get very often. So there we go. Last word on this. Okay. 
Case closed. And for once, I think I actually explained myself reasonably well. Yeah, I think you did. Well done. Yeah. Oh, thank you, sir. In fact, rather than saying case closed, let's uh, let's close the book of mist, shall we? Because that's uh, just a yeah, time with a... If you like. Yeah, I do Excellent. like. Excellent. Thank you. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do come and have a look at our social media. We are on Twitter and we are on Instagram. I always forget one of these. We're on YouTube and we're on Facebook. Is there any others? Habbo Hotel. I've done them all. Did I get more? We we came off Habbo Hotel after the swimming pool closed. Oh, yeah, after the incident. Yeah, it yeah. was around the same time we dropped off of Neopets as well, actually. Yeah, of course. And Club yeah. Penguin. And Club Penguin. Club, Club Penguin's gone. Yeah, we're not on those yeah, so ones. We're, we're not on, the, on those ones, but we're on the ones. previous four, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so come and follow us on one of those, and you'll that'll make sure that you don't miss any of the episodes that come out. Thank you for joining us, and have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye.